thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet 54. Oh, how much more doth beauty beauteous seem by that sweet ornament which truth doth give. The rose looks fair, but fairer we deem for that sweet odour which doth in it live. The canker blooms have full as deep a dye as the perfume tincture of the roses. Hang on such fawns and play as wantonly when summer's breath their masked buds discloses. But, for their virtue only is their show, they live unwooed and unrespected fade, die to themselves. Sweet roses do not sow, of their sweet deaths are sweetest odours made, and so of you, beauteous and lovely youth, when that shall veil, when that shall vade, my verse distills your truth. That was Sonnet 54 of Shakespeare's Sonnets. I'm Mark Chesley, and I am joined by a very pensive-looking... Uh, Thierry Hillis, I'm just, uh, yeah, t- trying to... Uh... Because I, 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 I am very prepared today. I, that's the first time I've seen this song. <laughs> Excellent. You're very prepared. Are you Googling it as sure I was ev- reading? Ev- ev- <laughs> I was just trying to re-read, quickly reread it a second time. Because <laughs> I'm not sure I've come across this one before at all. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so professional. And we have omitted that on air. Uh... Oh, dearie me. Well... You're not paying me, so I'm officially an amateur. That is the difference between the two. That is true. I am not. Professionals are the idiots that get paid. Yeah, I, I'm not paying him, and I'm not paying myself. That made it sound like I was paying myself. It's not paying myself either. I am keeping all of the profits from this. <laughs> well, yeah, the profits. Oh, yeah. Um, well, the, the, the thousands of pounds that Tramadol pays us for uh, <laughs> occasionally mentioning their product. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I've got a mountain of tramadol pills to my right and a mountain of cash to my left. See, that's that's why we should really make this a video podcast, so so people can see the hypocrite that you are. <laughs> I was I was considering for maybe a special episode doing a um, Google Hangout episode, um, which might be interesting. Oh, that we we could make that one about the film. Well, we we <gasps> yeah. we, we shouldn't really. Okay, let's let's do that. Wait, we'll, uh... we, we, we'll hide that away. And then we'll we'll think about that later. And and for the for when we do the Google Hangout, I'll stop doing my camp arm movements. That's that's a deal. Um, so sonnet sonnet fifty four. This one is I really like this one, and I think it's the first time that Shakespeare has ever really acknowledged that the fair youth will die. In in the very early sonnets, we had a lot about the fair youth should should avoid death and should fight back for death and should fight against life to to stay alive and i think this might be the first time that overtly shakespeare has said you're going to die essentially which is in the in the final two the final two lines of this uh, and so you beauteous mm-hmm. and lovely youth when that shall vade which is an odd phrase my verse distills your truth and it, it the extended metaphor of roses get even better after they die because we take their smell and make them into perfume which is a concentrated form of them so when you die fair youth my poems will create this concentrated form of you and you will live on as a pure beauty which is sort of what happened which is essentially sort of what happened but also because that distillation process distillation isn't just the concentration it's the removal of imperfection 
and the removal of the dirty bits. And so it's almost like Shakespeare's admitting in this that the fair youth has, has some fault, which again would be another first. Yeah, I guess so. My first distilled your truth. Unless unless what Well but but it's also My verse distills your truth. So it's getting Unless what he's saying is he's is, is, is showing that the bit that what the fair youth actually is. Yes, and removed. I suppose. Yeah, it's it's distilling his truth from the rest of him, which is still perfect. He, he, yeah. He... Well, yeah, I suppose maybe. Fine, you can have that. That my my deep analytical understanding of this sonnet destroyed by Thierry just going, "Hang on." <laughs> <sighs> that is wrong, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Now go stand in the corner and think about what you've done. <laughs> oh, we should have a naughty corner. Naughty step and naughty corner. Naughty step. Oh. Um, but, yeah, uh, this, this whole sonnet seems to be about distilling things, making them more pure or making them better, I guess. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just see that. So so we have that with um it starts off with uh the rose and the sweet odor and 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 the rose kind of plays through and then the fawns sort of disappear and, and their mast buds discloses their true smell and and so with the fair youth he he loses his physical form i guess and and Shakespeare's verse distills his his truth distills whatever his truth is and, and i don't know what would be the fair youth's truth if if only you had this kind of suggests you have one truth and i don't know what the fair youth's one would be other than beauty but i don't know perfection in general <laughs> i mean he, he never really it is always about the beauty yes he, he never really goes oh you you are brilliant at maths you you are <laughs> You are going to the, be the best astronomer or the the, the best astrologer. Just well, astrologer. Well, they they didn't really know the difference at no, the time. That's true. Okay, fine. They they thought it was the same sort of. Yeah, it's it's always concentrating on his looks and. Yeah, how 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 he's always beauteous. Just very shallow of Shakespeare. <laughs> it is it is quite. Um... Yeah, you could argue that that all of the sonnets are quite shallow. That that they are focusing on beauty and and physical perfection. Yeah, physical beauty rather than which I've never really him being a great person. It hasn't really occurred to me before you mentioned it that yeah, these because because the one time an action is described by the fair youth, it's sleeping with a girl that Shakespeare likes, and that's not a good action. That's that's the one he condemns, and then he goes back to, but you're so beautiful. Yes. So maybe he's he's in uh, a good-looking asshole. Yeah, because there's no there's no mention of, of of good virtues of of giving to the poor or looking after his family or or, or even yeah. having business acumen or or whatever. Because I mean, the, we presume the fair youth has a job of some description, although or a rich family, or a rich family. But there's no talk about helping the family out or. So yeah. So either the youth lives a pure life of pleasure and, and is, is one of those vapid vessels of, of like the people I despised at secondary school. The, you know, the ones who looked good and therefore cool um, and is one of them. 
Yeah, no, he has to be. Oh, I don't like this now. I've just made the fair youth into one of my bullies. That's not... But that, that, that's, that's sort of weird because then Shakespeare... Because Shakespeare's older in this, isn't he? Yes, Shakespeare at this time... He's, he's sort of the, the wise old 20-year-old telling the 12-year-old what to do. Oh, I think Shakespeare, when he wrote these, would have been 30 odd, Would have been much 30, older. 40, yeah, we yeah. Decided. And, and fair youth in this... In my head, I'm still thinking 13, 14, because that would have been around. That that would have been the age that, yeah. So, yeah. I, I suppose you could then see if that holds true. The sonnets and the, the reference to beauty being a kind of midlife crisis, what we would call a midlife crisis now, that Shakespeare is, is lusting after his lost beauty. Because Shakespeare wasn't an ugly-looking man. I... Yeah, I mean, all the pictures that I can think of, it's really only ever just his face wearing the massive... The the truff. The, yeah, yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think, I mean... Oh, no, that's going to sound bad. I was going to say, can you can you achieve huge levels of success and be hideous? That's a, that's a loaded question, well... isn't it? You probably could have at Shakespeare's time more so than today, mainly because they hadn't a way to spread pictures. Yes, I suppose that's true. I, and and when I say successful, I was meaning more in the sense of famous success, being being a personality, which Shakespeare definitely was of the day. He was a well-known personality across the country. Um, yeah, so I, I can't imagine. But but then they they they'd also I mean, beauty at the time was. I mean, they, they they didn't have toothpaste and they didn't have yeah. they didn't have disinfectants and soaps and yeah, and then were probably stinky. Didn't really have showers, and and Shakespeare's dad was a glove maker. This is what I know, having been in Stratford uh, last week, and and to to make gloves use leather and to make leather pliable and and usable, you have to um, treat it with dog poo. Um, so I, I, he might not have been the nicest smelling person, but but then that that sort of like have you ever been to a farm? That's you you get used <laughs> to that smell. True. <laughs> that's true. I mean that sounds horrible. It's like the, the first if if you are on the farm, the first maybe even hour, you just oh it's just a weird smell and it stings and everything. And then after an hour, you just it, it's normal. It's just it's fine. That's true. It's like sitting in a closed room for hours without opening a window and then someone else comes in and it's like, oh my God, it's just... Stinky. It's stinking in here and you just go, meh. It's fine. I, I like my stink. <laughs> I like my... <laughs> it's my stink. Leave me alone. <laughs> if it's not good enough for you, just go back outside. I don't love you enough to stay in your stink. <laughs> and then you shut the door and go away. Yes. No, that, that makes sense. So I, I, how did we get onto that? I don't know how we got onto that. That's that. Oh, uh, uh, the beauty is uh, in um, just being physical yes, beauty. Yeah, yeah. So it must be, and 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 this sonnet, I think, shows that that what what Shakespeare wants to do is distill that beauty down and and keep it with him. And it's a very distillation is a destructive process as well. You destroy the original, and you end up with an essence. So Shakespeare is essentially at this point going, you as a person, I don't care about so much. I I want this truth of yours, which is your your beauty, your your un 
unequaled beauty and I want I want it for myself whether that is in the terms of I want it in terms of sex or I want it in terms of possession or, or I don't know which which I mean this, this entire sonnet as you say just reinforces that because all the examples even he lists here never mind all the, the, the distillation process uh, but he also uh, he cr- talks about having a dye somewhere yeah, the canker blooms have fullest, deeper dye as the perfect perfume tinctures of the roses. So it just everything he describes here is always about making something more physically beautiful. Yeah, the the the, the roses that lose their thorns and yeah, and taking what makes this flower beautiful and distilling it down into a beautiful dye. It's about taking the one element of something that you truly admire and and making it. It's it's not yeah it's not even about preserving the flower it's about destroying the flower and using it to make something else beautiful. So in in that sense, this is quite an aggressive sonnet in terms of of it's it's not a love sonnet in terms of I love you I want to be with you it's a aggressive your beauty is is what I want. I don't really it's almost necrophiliac. <laughs> I don't really care. I always worship the beauty. You. Of that particular person, but it was the beauty, yeah. not the person that he worshipped. Because it's always been about spreading that so do, beauty. Do we and, think this, this reflects the fact that the fair youth did upset Shakespeare? So now his relationship with the fair youth has changed from a worshipping the fair youth to a worshipping the beauty worshipping the that he holds. Yeah, but then he's always sort of done that. He's always worshipped the beauty... Yeah. Of that particular person, but it was the beauty, not the person that he worshipped. Because it's always been about yeah. spreading that beauty. and then... But the, the beauty as possessed by one person. But this is now... Yes, but, but a... the, the person itself was irrelevant. Yes, and, and this is now reinforcing that in a sense that it's almost Shakespeare saying, I want to remove the beauty from you. Almost, yeah, yeah. I, I want to take the beauty from... So this is more aggressive. This is quite an aggressive... Uh, way it's, of... it's fairly as as far as telling some <laughs> telling someone that they uh, they're quite good looking. It's it's a very aggressive uh, <laughs> yeah. roundabout way to do it. It's yeah. quite close to I want to wear your skin in a kind oh. of in a very very creepy way. Yes, excellent creepy Shakespeare, creepy creepy Shakespeare. Um, I, on that creepy note, <laughs> 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 would you like to read Sonnet Fifty Four? We've, I'll try. Now that we've put that image of what it really means in everyone's mind, I'll just I'll, I'll I, I'm waiting for uh, someone to rewrite because because quite a lot of novel. Well, I guess the zombie genre is dying out now, but quite a lot of stuff has been rewritten as uh, well. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and <laughs> yeah, that's true. Pr- Pride and Prejudice and zombies. I, I'm surprised no one did that to Shakespeare because he's out of copyright, so it wouldn't have been a problem with uh... yeah, Romeo and Juliet and Cthulhu. Cthulhu. That oh, I would read that. <laughs> Hamlet and the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. That oh god, I'm surprised no one's done that. This would this is good. We should we should do these. We should do them. <laughs> well, there's an idea for the next zero D. Yes. Ah, uh, rewritten Shakespeare. Excellent. Um. Anyway, well, you, you did have in the interview Shakespeare through the interpretive medium of dance, so maybe yes. it could. Uh... <laughs> We could we could we could zush that idea up a bit and and 
Okay, nuts. Um, anyway, you read. I'll, I'll, I'll you, read the sonnet. You read the sonnet, yes. I'm so good at avoiding it this time. <laughs> oh, God. You haven't even read a word. Oh, you, 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 would, you wouldn't think that I did four years of Latin when I look at L-I-V and go, what number is that? <laughs> uh, I, I just have them written down. 54. Sonnet 54. Oh, how much more doth beauty beauteous seem by that sweet ornament which truth doth give. The rose looks fair, but fairer we it deem for that sweet odour for which doth in it live. The canker blooms have fuller, steeper dye as the perfumed tincture of the roses. Hang on, such. That was a weird. It is weird sentence construction there. The canker blooms have fuller, steeper dye as the perfumed tincture of the roses. Hang on, such thorns and play as wantonly when summer's breath their masked butts discloses. But for their virtue only is their show. They live unwooed and unrespected fade, die to themselves. Sweet roses do not sow, of their sweet deaths are sweetest odours made. And so of you, beauteous and lovely youth, when that shall fade, my verse distills your truth. Actually, maybe it's just about Shakespeare waiting for the fair youth to die. <laughs> oh, not, not as in... Not as in sitting around counting the days until it finally happens, but rather saying, if if you do, then then my my sonnets will serve the same way as a dead flower would still be used for something beautiful. The difference being is we don't wait for flowers to die before we distill them. We shorten is, their lives. Yeah, that's true. We we do kill them when they are at their uh, So maybe it's a bad prime. metaphor in that sense. Or or maybe not. Mm. Anyway, that was Sonnet 54 of Shakespeare Sonnets. I've been Mark Chatterley, and you can follow me on Twitter at Nufkin. And I've been Terry Healers, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sound of Seagulls. And, and we're now doing this wonderful thing called Flatter. Um, so if you have a Flatter account, you can flatter us. If you don't know what Flatter is, it's this awesome service where you can do micro donations to various creators of free content and you can find out all about it on their website or, or by clicking the little button on our site uh brilliant thank you very much and we shall see you all next time for sonnet 55 goodbye bye you've been listening to shakespeare sonnets with mark chatterley and thierry hellis this has been an in-ear entertainment podcast. To listen to other podcasts or find out more about in-ear entertainment, go to www.inearentertainment.com.